Yes, yes. It's been a 15 years of journey. Amazing journey. Her name is Fumiko Ishioka. So now I decided, okay, I'm going to find out about this girl, but where do I go? I'm not a historian. She is the executive director of Tokyo's Holocaust Education Resource Center, and she was the driving force in finding out the true story of Hannah Brady, one of the 1.5 million children killed in the Holocaust. And then it was this group of Japanese students who helped me find the way by asking this one question. Who was this girl? Coming up, her journey to discover the story of Hannah and her family. How the story became a widely read book and acclaimed play titled Hannah's Suitcase, performed at Seattle's Children's Theater for the first time on the West Coast. A conversation with Fumiko Ishioka next. Fumiko Ishioka, welcome to Seattle. Thank you very Good much. Good to have you here. Thank you. This has been quite a journey for you. Yes, yes. It's been a 15 years of journey. Amazing journey. But even coming to Seattle yes. with the play for the first time, coming mm -hmm. to Seattle, mm -hmm. and also uh, coming to the West Coast for the very first time. But also for you, uh, a special time while you were here, the University of Washington yes. honors you with a Distinguished Service Award for the work that you have done in, in trying to bring all of this to light mm -hmm. and to educate so many young people around the world, not in Japan, yeah. about the Holocaust, about mm -hmm. tolerance. Mm -hmm. Tell me about receiving this award. How'd you feel? Who would have imagined? It was really, really such an honor. I never, ever imagined. I never, ever dreamt about receiving such an award. Uh, but it's really thanks to just everyone all over the world. Every, oh, of course, first of all, George Brady, Hannah's brother, and, and just every student all over the world who have joined this project and spread the messages. And in the award, they say uh, they are honoring you for your commitment to share the values of hope, tolerance, and respect with young people around the world, which is exactly what you have been trying to do for so long. You must be feeling the love. <laughs> yes, yes, lots of love, lots especially of love. from here in Seattle. Everyone has been working so hard to put everything together, and I really, really appreciate Let's step back. Let's step back to how all of this started. Actually, it goes back to the late 90s when you become part of this organization mm -hmm. as an educator. Mm -hmm. Tell me about the organization mm -hmm. and how you became a part of it. So it's called Tokyo Holocaust Education Resource Center. In the late 1980s, we had social problems like every society. There was this uh, uh, nerve gas attack by a cult group and in right in the middle of Tokyo and then those who were involved in this attack had higher education like some of them had PhD and uh, there was this increase in violence among young children and we wanted to do some tolerance education and my country is not free from hate speech against minority groups and so there's this urgent need for adults to create opportunities where kids learn to appreciate differences like they learn to have compassion and understanding with each other 
Um, so we came up with an idea of using, first of all, actually a story of Anne Frank. It's very popular, her diaries, well right. read in fun. Japan as well. So we decided to use a story of children during the Holocaust, because what happened to children we thought could resonate with children today. So that's how we started. Was there any pushback because Japan had been involved in the war, yes, yeah. had been part of the Axis powers yeah. with yes. Germany during that time and Italy, the feelings there. So did you feel any pressure to not teach about the Holocaust? There wasn't um, any objection, but at the same time, there was not much interest either. So You had to push it. Yes, yes, we had to push it, yeah yeah, yeah. yeah, so we struggled for the first and the second year, but then we got the suitcase, Hannah's suitcase, and it just exploded, yeah. So tell me about the suitcase. Tell me about how that all happened. So we were organizing, my first project was this ex exhibition called The Holocaust Seen Through Children's Eyes, and we collected all these black and white photographs, but we thought that something was missing. We wanted some tangible objects. So I went to the museum at Auschwitz and asked for a loan of any object that they can lend us. And a few months later, they sent us Hannah's suitcase. And actually, back then, the suitcase came with a little shoe and a sock and a baby sweater and an empty can of Taekwondo. They don't belong to Hannah. And the suitcase, which had a name, Hannah Brady. And also on the outside of it, it had a German word for... Yes, Weisenkin, which yeah, means orphan. orphan. That's right. Right, right, yeah. So And to make it clear mm -hmm. that the suitcase was a replica because the original had been burned in a fire. Yes, yes, but we didn't know yeah, that at right. that time, yeah. yes. But yes. still, you had received this. Mm -hmm. Tell me about when it arrived and you opened it and sharing it with the students. Yes, I was nervous and I was really excited to have something that so precious and but to be honest I didn't know what to do with it I was excited but at the same time how would I use this one simple suitcase to tell the story of the Holocaust where six million people were killed for no other reason but they were born Jewish and among them there were one and a half million children how would I tell that story with this one suitcase? And then it was this group of Japanese students who helped me find the way by asking this one question, who was this girl? And I couldn't answer, well, she was one of six million. But then this little boy would say, oh, she was born on May 16th, that's my sister's birthday. And then this other high school kid would say, why is it written often? What happened to her parents? And then I couldn't answer. Uh, and so I just said that maybe her parents were killed and then she was left alone and then maybe Nazi classified her as an orphan. And then this high school girl suddenly got furious. That's so wrong and so much conversation. And so that made me realize that I want to make this suitcase a symbol of life, not of death of an unknown child. I wanted to put a face to this name, Hannah Brady. It's interesting that it was really the children yeah. that sparked and yeah. motivated yeah. and inspired you to, yeah. you gotta find out what these answers mm. that mm. they are 
their, to their questions. Mm -hmm. And so that set you on this journey. Yeah. So tell me about the journey and tell me about being able to go and discover. Yeah. So now I decided, okay, I'm going to find out about this girl, but where do I go? I'm not a historian. I've never done any research like that before. So what I could do first was write to the museums all over Europe. I was really impressed with the way, starting with the country like Germany, the European countries, they face with the history of the Holocaust. All these concentration campsites are preserved and then they have exhibition, they have education center. And so I wrote letters to about 40 museums all over Europe, uh, but they didn't know about the girl, Hannah Brady. And I understood because all I had was her name and the date of birth and Weisenkin often. But as I was communicating with the museum at Auschwitz, they said that this girl was in another camp called Terezin in the then Czechoslovakia before she was sent to Auschwitz. So I read about another camp called Terezin, and then there I was fascinated to find out that there was this secret art school the adult prisoners were doing for children. And all these children who were drawing inside the camp Many of them were later on deported to Auschwitz and killed there. But somebody hid kids' drawings between walls in the barracks. Mm -hmm. So after the war, nearly 5,000 drawings were discovered. So then I noticed that maybe Hannah was one of the students in the art lesson. And maybe among the collection of 5,000 drawings, maybe I can find Hannah's drawings. So I contacted Jewish Museum in Prague, and they found five drawings by oh. Hannah. And each drawings, Hannah signed her name, Hannah Brady, and the date. So first we saw her name on the suitcase, and now we found five drawings. And we were getting one step closer to Hannah. Did they provide you any of the drawings, any, you know, copies of the drawings? Yeah, just or? a copy. Right. Yeah, not so so that you could see. Yeah. So you continued to know that you had yeah. Yeah. more information here about, yeah. about who Hannah was. Yeah. Uh, we're speaking with uh, Fumiko Ishioka, Executive Director of the Tokyo Holocaust Education Resource Center, and about the, uh, the story behind the play, Hannah's Suitcase, and it is quite a story. So really, that is part of the journey continues here after you discover that there are photos. The next step, when did you end up going to Germany? It was summer 2000, yes. I finally had a chance to go to Europe to attend a conference. Okay. So I decided to stop by at this museum at Terezin, which was in the Czech Republic. And because at Auschwitz, Hannah Brady was killed right away. So if I could find any information about this girl, it must be Terezin, where she was imprisoned for two years. So I went to Terezin in the Czech Republic. And there, there's one curator came out and offered to help. And she showed me this list of prisoners in that particular camp. There were names of 90,000 people, Jewish people. And on this one page, there was the name Hannah Brady. 1931, May 16th, same date of birth. So here, and it was here. But all you can tell from this list is that Many of them were later on killed at Auschwitz. But as I was looking at this list, 
the name Hannah Brady is here, and then right above it, there's George Brady, the same family name. And on this list, you could tell that where they were deported from, and they had the same address. And George Brady was born in 1928, so three years older than Hannah. Same address and three years older. Now I was sure that Hannah had a big brother. But before I noticed, um, I was again looking at this list, and George Brady, the name George Brady, had a box around it. It was the only name which had a box around it. So I asked the curator, why is this name has a box around it? He, she said it means that he survived Auschwitz. So I started getting goosebumps yes. and, and, okay, where could it be now? And she didn't know. Well, I knew that there were survivors of the Holocaust, but I had heard that many of them have left Europe. Some of them had changed their names, and even if he had survived back then, he could have passed away right. in 60, 70 years ago. So a lot of thoughts went through my mind, but I had to find him now. But I had to return home the next day, so I ran back into another museum in Prague and then asked for help, and another curator offered to help. She made some phone calls for me, and she found the man who was Hannah's brother's bunkmate. Oh my gosh. He was really busy, but he agreed to come see me at the museum, and he said, I'm also a survivor. I shared the same bunk bed with George Brady. So I asked him, where is George Brady now? Is he still alive? And he said that he is well and alive in Toronto, Canada. And he gave me this full address of George Brady. So I, as soon as I got home, I gathered all these students again, and I told them, the owner of this suitcase had a brother, big brother, and he survived the Holocaust. And we decided to write him a letter. We decided to write to him because we wanted to let him know that his little sister's suitcase is teaching us important lessons of the history. So we wanted to let him know that. So we sent him a letter, and only within a few weeks, we received a reply from George Brady. Four page long letter. And the letter came with the photo of beautiful Hannah. Oh my gosh. Which is now actually on the cover of the book. How, how did the students react when they got the letter and then they saw uh, the picture? Well, actually, I was the one who was just screaming, <laughs> <laughs> running around, and I think so they were a little bit, okay, okay, calm down. <laughs> so he, George Brady, shared with us just so many memories of Hannah in the letter, and at the end of the letter, he wrote that someday I would like to come to Japan to meet us. So we were excited. Oh my God, he might come to Japan. And, and then he did come to Japan. How long after all this did he end up coming? Uh, actually, that was the summer 2000, and he came to Japan for the first time in uh, March the next year. So only yeah. six months later. What was that like? He stood in front of the suitcase, and his eyes were red in tears, and 
we could see that he hadn't been able to overcome the loss of his little sister. And actually, one of the kids asked him, okay, so how do you feel about seeing your sister's suitcase? And George was really wonderful saying that I feel okay because you're with me. Yeah. And uh, yeah, so it was incredible. Very emotional. Yeah, I can even feel it right here. Eventually, the story gets out, and eventually it becomes, well, there was a documentary made, yes. there was a book that was written. Yes, yes. And then the creation of a play yeah. by the uh, Young People's Theater in Canada. Yeah. Well, first of all, I have to mention that the book, which was written by Carol Levine, the Canadian, she actually first made a radio documentary, and a year later she wrote this book. And she put this story so beautifully in this book, and which is now translated into 45 languages. And so her book really helped this story really explode. It helped really tell this story. Yeah, reach out to so many children all over the world, yes. As this started to grow, how did that hit you? Because just this effort to try to educate that you were, you were doing in Japan suddenly is taking on big mm -hmm. wings yeah. and, and traveling mm -hmm. around mm -hmm. the, the world. Yeah, it's been really amazing. We visited schools all over here in the States. I went to school in Tulsa, Oklahoma, Mobile, Alabama, and who would have imagined that you'd be visiting schools there? And we were also uh, all over Europe and Australia, Mexico, and even to South Africa. And responses from kids are amazingly universal. We meet kids in poverty and we receive letters from refugee kids who have their own problems. But they try to, uh, they, they feel so close to Hannah and then try to learn the lessons from this life of one little girl and they think of their own problems, they would say that they would never let such a thing happen again. And so the suitcase is really now filled, not just with sad story, but with full of hope. And these responses from kids are something that really keeps me going. When young people and others mm -hmm. see the play, <laughs> and a suitcase, mm -hmm. which tells the story, um, tells your story. It kind of involves both. What do you want them to mm. walk away with? Mm. So many things. I think that the question that why such a thing happen will stay with them. And so I want them to keep thinking about that. Why such a thing happened and I want them to think that each one of them has a role in their own lives to fight against any prejudice, any scapegoating, any stereotyping in their own school, in their own community. I want them to think that they have a role, they have a responsibility. Even in a small way, I would like them to find something that they can do, each one of them can do, so that something like this will never happen again. Are you thinking from not only their actions with how they might treat someone, mm -hmm. 
but the words they might use mm -hmm. in sure. describing someone yeah. Yeah. to just how mm -hmm. people treat each other. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Start with the relationship with your friends and in this increasing global world that the people uh, move and we have this refugee crisis in Europe and I understand it here in America. You also have people escaping from Europe and so I want to ask them, these kids, to join us, to work together, to make this world a more compassionate place. I'm sure that everybody want to live in a society where we help each other. You remain close with George Brady as we speak. He's yeah. here in Seattle. Yeah. It's going to be here for the opening of the play. And uh, I know that he has a daughter that yes. travels with him uh, that, is, that is very close. So tell me about your relationship with mm. George. He's my hero. So. We meet twice or three times a year, and we have traveled together a lot. And he's really, truly a hero. Without him, none of this would have happened. The courage and generosity that he is, I am forever thankful. Um, but at the same time, I have received tremendous support from his family as well, and his daughter, Laura Hanna. Uh, she carries really the middle wonderful. name of her. Yes, yeah. yes. So, so I'm so happy that she's part of the team now. What does it mean to you to have these works done, to have a play now about your experience, knowing that there was a documentary made, knowing mm -hmm. that there was a book mm -hmm. uh, written about all, all There's that. something special about the theater. It's, what is it? There's this... It's different from uh, the documentary, different from the book. There's something special about the theater. Hannah is really alive on stage, and that's what I really wanted to to do. When the, the moment I received the suitcase, I wanted Hannah to come alive. And so with the theater, Hannah is alive there. And, and the theater is something that really opens up your imagination, and that's what you really need. Imagination and that leads to compassion, and that's that's something that I think we should encourage kids to have. One last thing: what's next for you in doing this work? I have to keep going because I have more and more requests from schools all over Japan. So it's been 15 years since then. Now, some kids started asking me, okay, we now know about Hannah, but what about her brother, George? What did he see in Auschwitz and how did he survive? And so George Brady has lots of stories. So we have launched a Hannah Suitcase sequel. Oh, really? And it's a the Holocaust scene through Hannah's brother's eyes. And he has so much story to share. So Hannah Sickle, George's story is also traveling all over Japan. And I've actually started this study tour with 20 students uh, traveled together for 11 days all over Europe. We start with Auschwitz, and then we also spend some time in Germany, in Berlin, and see how people in Europe are trying to learn from the history, because we as a Japanese have a lot to learn from uh, how they face their own history. So next month, I'm going to take another group of university students to Europe. And I'm now writing a book, so there's so much going on. Right. Yeah. Well, you're doing good work, the good work. And, Thank you. Uh, 
Fumiko Ishioka, Executive Director of the Tokyo Holocaust Education Resource Center, and she is really uh, the story behind the uh, story of Hannah's suitcase. Thank you so much for taking the time to be with us to discuss this journey that you've been on, the creation of Hannah's suitcase, the play, the story, and this important information, especially in these times. And I'm Enrique Cerna, and this has been the KCTS 9 Digital Studios Podcast. We'll talk more next time.